0: Welcome to the GateWorld Podcast. It's episode number 31 of the GateWorld Podcast. I'm Darren. And I'm David. And this is the show where two sci-fi nerds talk about the sci-fi channel's long-running franchise, Stargate. Today, David and I are talking about the ideal universe.
1: Where two fanboys post their thoughts on what the next Stargate series would be at its best and finest.
0: Stargate Universe is now in production, and it's premiering this fall, in the U.S. at least, uh, hopefully elsewhere very soon. And we're excited about it, and we're going to spend some time talking about what we think and what we hope it really should be and should do in order to impress us as longtime Stargate fans in order to bring the, the Stargate franchise to the next level. But first, we've got some Stargate news to talk about, and we'll get around to more of your mail. Stargate News. Here are your headlines from GateWorld for February 24th, 2009. As I just mentioned, Stargate Universe has now officially begun principal photography. The cast and crew are assembled at Bridge Studios in Vancouver, B.C. to shoot the third Stargate series, which premieres this fall on the Sci-Fi Channel. The series stars Robert Carlyle, Justin Lewis, Brian J. Smith, David Blue, Jameel Walker-Smith, and we're expecting those ladies' names any time, probably even before this podcast goes out this week. Crossing our fingers... There's been a bit of uh, rumoring and speculation about who those actresses may be, but uh, we're going to wait until MGM gives us the official word. The set of the Destiny has been constructed at Stage 4 at the Bridge Studios for those fans who have had the opportunity during the fan conventions to go through and tour the sets. The SGC is on Stage 5 and and is being remodeled a bit. Uh, It will serve as the Icarus base, apparently, for the, uh, the series premiere of Stargate Universe. And Atlantis is over on stage six. So that's pretty cool. We'll, we'll start to hear more details about episodes, and uh, we'll get a chance to talk to the actors here pretty soon once they've gotten into gear and you know see pictures of what the uniforms look like and see the first cast photos come out. This is kind of an exciting time for, for us at the site covering the new show over the course of the spring months.
1: And Amanda Tapping's eBay auctions have concluded, bringing in a total of... Nineteen thousand six hundred dollars the set visit brought in fifteen thousand uh, dollars, and the Skype chat brought in three grand uh almost four grand actually, and the sling brought in eight hundred and
0: fifty dollars so good job, amanda fans that's yeah. rock on you and I are talking on Skype right now, but we didn't settle on how much you were going to pay me for this. Pay you you should be paying me for all the torture the pleasure. Of talking Uh, to Darren on Skype. How much would that go for? Two buttons and Uh, a slice of bread? I think it's really interesting, though.
1: I mean, this $15,000 to to visit the set of Sanctuary, I don't know. You know, it's it's mostly green screen. I think I would also pay Mm -hmm. to go see the production offices for that much money. But, uh, yeah, good good for, good for the fans for, for bringing that out. And it's going to a good cause. It's going to go benefit the North Star Montessori Elementary School in Vancouver, B.C., yeah. uh, which, which
0: Amanda is very passionate about. So, grats. And Quantum Mechanics is now shipping that replica model of the F-302 Interceptor. The ship has an 8-inch wingspan and comes in a diorama style with the flight deck of the Prometheus, labeled BC-303. Have you picked yours up yet? I have not. It comes with a sticker price of about $120. Now, here's something cool for GateWorld listeners. Quantum Mechanics has offered GateWorld readers a 25% off discount. Uh, If you order at the Quantum Mechanics store and use the code GATEWORLD1, but it expires on Saturday, February 28th. So if you're listening and you haven't picked up your replica yet, you can save a big chunk of change if you order by Saturday. It looks really cool. It's a hand-painted replica that was created from the original digital animation CG files that they use on the show. So it is accurate. That's all the news we have this week, so let's get right into the the main discussion. Today's topic is the ideal universe. This is what you and I think that uh, Stargate Universe needs to do, or needs to be, not only to impress us and, and excite us as fans of Stargate, fans uh, who've been around for going on 11, 12 years now, but also I think in order to move this, the franchise forward. One of my concerns about where the Stargate franchise is at right now is it, it's sort of ubiquitous. It's kind of everywhere. It's always on, you know, on Fox syndication in the afternoon you're constantly coming across it when you're flipping past Sci-Fi Channel and it's been yeah. that way for years and years I mean, These the shows, SG-1 and Atlantis have, have been around for so long that I think the majority of viewers at least here in the US have come across the show at some point one of them or both, and have made their decision about whether mm-hmm. or not they want to watch it, and watch it regularly mm-hmm. they've decided what the show is, and what it's about, and you know, like any TV what it means show, to them. the longer any TV show goes, typically the lower the ratings go. And so, when you've got a new Stargate series coming along, and you've got the ratings issues with DVR and Atlantis having just come to an end, not necessarily because of the ratings, but the ratings were were nothing to write home about. Yeah, you've got to reinvigorate this franchise. I mean, I feel like creatively. Uh, They're doing well, obviously I'm still a fan of the show But it needs an injection of new life Not just for us longtime fans Who, I can only speak for myself here Want to see something a little bit different A little bit more original Uh, But also for those viewers who have looked at Stargate And have made up their mind about what they think Stargate is And have have already decided that they're not going to watch it We need to get those guys and gals' attention again I think Stargate really is, uh, and I'm speaking for myself here.
1: Others may disagree with me, of course. Um, I think Stargate really is at a make-or-break point of its life. If Universe comes out and it really sucks, I think the franchise is hosed. But if it's extremely successful, I think we're looking at a revival here, a reinvigoration. That's really what I'm hoping for. There are a whole series of Stargate SG-1 and Stargate Atlantis fans out there. Fans of each individual show who have already made up their mind not to watch Universe because they think Mm -hmm. it's Stargate 90210 or whatever. That's true. But there are a whole series of Stargate Universe fans that are waiting to be born and don't think that they're going to
0: pop up because they are. A show has to be good, frankly, in order to be watched. And that's not to say that some of these these unwatched shows that get canceled like Firefly were not good. Obviously, they're brilliant shows that don't get watched that are underappreciated. But if you've got a show out there that is really good, consistently, well-written, well-produced, well-acted, and well-marketed, and treated well by its network, then a show like Lost can be science fiction or fantasy, can have that, that sci-fi twist and still be successful. How do you define good?
1: What is good? I mean, good is is one of the most subjective words that exist. Yeah. You know, good to me is Battlestar Galactica and lost good to someone else might be Smallville season 2 with Freak of the Week. Yeah. So that's one of my concerns there, you know, when when we use words like good, it has to be good. Well, of course it has to be good. You know, in 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 my eyes or in Joe Blow's eyes, it has to be good. Otherwise I'm not going to watch it. You know, I thought CSDSV DSP had the worst writing ever. Was it still good? Yeah, I liked it. It was good to me but it was mm-hmm. terrible, man.
0: <laughs> well, yeah, there are those shows that are loved by audiences and hated by critics, and shows that are hated yeah. by critics and loved by audiences. Or, no, that's the same thing. <laughs> you know, those shows that TV Guide always ranks the best show you're not watching, um, which yeah. a few years ago was, was a great little comedy called Sports Night, which I loved. Uh, and it wow. got the axe. Battlestar has critical acclaim. Its fans are hugely behind it as some of the best written and produced in active television right now. Um, but Battlestar doesn't have huge ratings. Well, you, you go out like I did with my
1: parents the other night, and people are talking about Galactica in the booth next to us. Oh, yeah? That's the kind of magnetism that that show has. I mean, if I bring up Stargate, they're like, oh, you know, and you have to go through the whole process of explaining what the show is and everything. Battlestar Galactica, I mean, our, the waitress that I had uh, at the Olive Garden, you know, said that her, she deleted Battlestar off of her father's DVR mm-hmm. and her dad went postal. That's just the magnetism that that show has. And Universe needs that kind of a fan base, you know. I,
0: I, I hope to God that it gets it. Yeah, and it needs a, a media buzz. I live in a community where there's only a few shows that people really, really buzz about and really talk about. Um, I don't have anybody here at my school that will talk with me about Stargate. Even though it's been on for so long and there's so much of it out there. Uh, and, and its fan base is relatively large. I mean, the guys here want to talk about Lost and they want to talk about Battlestar. They're not hardcore sci-fi fans, but that's what they watch every week. Mm -hmm. So, Mm -hmm. you know, the viewer buzz and then the media buzz, not that that necessarily I would say that Universe has to to become a a critical darling in order to be successful or to be a good show, but it it certainly would be nice. For a change, Stargate's been kind of the subject of, of media scorn for years
1: i know it's it seems like stargate shares that star trek pointed ears odd and obscure kind of quality that that spock always used to have you know it oh it's that's the show with the pointed ears you know the the guy mm-hmm. with the pointed ears and then you turn around and you see these these cult shows like lost on television where they they've bridged science fiction and drama so seemingly perfectly you know stargate is not that. In in many ways, it can never be that. But I think it's a mistake to say that Starkate cannot be popular for for doing what it's doing. Mm -hmm. It just has to catch the public's attention Mm -hmm. with the right people that's one of the reasons it's, it's, it's great to pull in people who come in with a built-in fan base. Mm-hmm. That's why I wanted Universe to have actors like Rick that already did. had built-in fan bases wh- like Rick did. When Rick took off, a huge percentage of the Stargate audience left with him, and we all know it, a good 10, 20 percent, if not more. Mm. I mean they had no interest in watching the show after he was out of it. And there's nothing wrong with that.
0: Sure as we talk about what we hope universe is what kind of a show it it looks and feels like what the texture of the show is we want to make sure that we say it it's not going to be Atlantis it's not going to be SG1 those were great mm-hmm. shows in their own right uh, and i don't want this to come across like uh, well you know Darren and David just just didn't like Atlantis so the show needs to be as different from Atlantis as possible that's that's not what we're saying here like i just said i think that the franchise needs to be reinvigorated uh and it's not going to be reinvigorated with more of the same was it brad who said that stargate and atlantis were written in terms
1: of 1990 storytelling and that they were really wanting to go with something that was very 21st century i think
0: it was brad who said that might have been brad maybe i'm putting words in his mouth brad or rob yeah Yeah, i think it was a a magazine or a, a newspaper or an online interview one but it was someone creators, from the production
1: office who said that.
0: Yeah, one of the creators of Universe talked about 1990s storytelling, which you know, in my house we've been rewatching a lot of Buffy lately, and Buffy is quintessential 1990s storytelling, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's definitely much more uh, sophisticated than than a 1980s show, but still, I mean, a decade, decade and a half later, it feels a bit a bit dated, a bit a bit antiquated mm-hmm. and cheesy.
1: I'm sick of hearing it, man. Uh, uh, syndication likes flexibility. You know That's why all these shows, all these episodes are written with beginnings, middles, and ends, and then you go on to a
0: new hour of television the next episode, and basically they've pushed reset button. So you're talking about the, the episodic nature of storytelling versus episodic having an ongoing story arc that stretches that's out over right. seasons or over the entire show. I f-
1: find myself attracted to television shows like you've said, B5, and like Lost... Mm -hmm. And in some respects, Battlestar, where they've looked at the beginning of the show. They've looked at the show before they started it and said, what is this show about? And what is the show going to be about in its third season? What is the show going to be about in its sixth season? Where do we want to go? As opposed to every January or whatever it is coming into the office and saying, now, what kind of shows do we want to tell this year? Those shows tend to last longer when they have an overall arc built in, and you can noticeably see that we are reaching the top of an arch or the, the journey in the terms of the storytelling as opposed to, now, what kind of stories do we want to tell for our syndicatable show this year, if that's a word, excuse me if it's not. You know, yes. I, I'm attracted to those kind of arc-based shows, not just a few arc episodes here for the sake of you know, appeasing those fans who like arcs you know, or an arc-based season. Yes, there should be arcs in seasons, but arcs in the entire story that were really critically thought out at the very beginning of the show, like they did with Lost. No, they had the entire scope of the show figured out in 45 minutes. The basic frame of the show. They know what kind of a show they wanted to make.
0: When you watch an arc-based show, I think that, that we've been burned enough that we want to be convinced that, that the creators of the show and the writers really do have that plan. And they're not just making it up as they go along and claiming to have a plan.
1: I agree. And it's just um, but, yeah, to,
0: it's just something that I'm really longing for. Now, is that necessarily
1: Stargate? I don't know. I really don't know. But from what I've been hearing, that's their indication
0: with universe. To play devil's advocate uh, on on the advantage of episodic television is yeah. uh, Stargate is has very much, the writers have very much decided that we've created a world, we've created a universe in which to tell stories. And so let's come up with a bunch of ideas that use... These races and these ships and these heroes and these, these technological advancements and let's tell some interesting stories. And sometimes they can, they can stretch out over the course of a couple of years, like the Ori storyline. It's episodic, and I wonder how much of it comes out of Brad Wright's previous work on The Outer Limits, which was obviously mm-hmm. very episodic. Oh,
1: yeah, The World Ends, in every one of Brad's episodes. <laughs> I loved that.
0: Yeah, because The Outer Limits was an anthology series. Uh, yes. Different characters, different setting every single episode. There's something to be said for the fact that Stargate SG-1 did 214 of those, mm-hmm. and Atlantis did 100. Episodic is, uh, is, uh, I think, a perfectly fine way and a perfectly legitimate way. But it's the way that Stargate's been telling stories for 314 episodes. And I'm really hoping that this idea of a of a 21st century mentality for storytelling also means more arc-based stuff. Because when I yeah. think 21st century mentality, I think storytelling that's more like Battlestar or Lost. Um, again, it's, it's always dangerous to make comparisons about what we hope the show is like, but those are, those are two of the best shows that are on television right now.
1: Well, we as, as people, as you and I, fallible fans who can be really good at putting their foot in, f- feet, their, feets, their footsies in their mouths, I mean, Lord knows I am, we know what we like, and we know what we don't like. I loved SG-1. There were parts of Atlantis that I loved. But, you know, those days are over. We need something new to reinvigorate us. And I, more than ever, am thinking that Universe will be that show. And you know what? It's great to feel that way because <laughs> so, I could be sitting here and saying, oh, I don't know the universe is going to do it, man. I th- really think that it will from everything that I've heard, the little the little tidbits that I've heard, the, the news coverage that Joe Malazzi puts out on his blog, you know, what Brad and Rob have been continuing to say, what what I feel, what mm-hmm. I fe- I'm i feeling in my gut is that they get it.
0: Yeah. Now, one of my concerns has been, can the same producers do a show that is that different? That is yeah. darker in tone, that is more based on a character drama than sort of a, a, a bit of a lighter action adventure hour. And, and I've had the opportunity to look at some of the pages that they've written because they've put out casting sides to cast for all these characters. And awesome. let me tell you, after years of looking at casting sides, these are different. And the, the tone really? of the writing is markedly and noticeably different. I think they're going to pull it off they seem to be getting it getting that that darker more character driven versus plot driven mm-hmm. what about
1: risk taking you and i have always talked about the the show needs to take risks but you know what what i mean aside from the fact that you know they're they're killing off a character and we know six months in advance because some jerk hole has decided to leak it that that character is going to be off what kind of risk taking are we talking about
0: yeah, I think that if the Gate World podcast has had a story arc of its own, it's that we've been beating on this drum of risk taking for mm-hmm. the, what, co- coming up on eight or nine months that we've been podcasting now. Mm-hmm. What are we talking about risk taking? And again, it's really easy to bring up comparisons to other shows. You think about a show taking risks, and, and the mind, I think, goes to things like killing off main characters and major characters which Atlantis has certainly had no problem doing. So is that risk-taking, killing off Carson Beckett? The more that I think about it, it's, it's
1: not killing off characters so much. I'm going to go back to Lost here because I've, I've just been watching Lost lately. I've just been getting into the show, really getting into the show. And they kill off characters all the time. But to me, that's not the risk-taking. The risk-taking, to me, is the paradigm shift. Mm-hmm. Every new season kicks it into a different direction and expands the scope of the island. It's like you said it's a whole new ballgame every yeah. season and at the end of the season next season may not be the same at all you know, where they're willing to, to say okay next year we're going to do something completely different th- with these characters it's mm-hmm. not going to end
0: like with the sun setting every day you know? That's obviously part of episodic television is this sort of necessary reset button at the end and you can you can do major changes really once or twice in the series you know when when production concerns necessitate things like an actor change you can kind of get away with that and and you know we as as viewers of episodic television will get used to the fact that Tasha Yar is not the security chief anymore
1: (laughs) yeah well we know when this one it really dates an episode
0: yeah So I understand how that's a a bit of a function of episodic television, that you have to to hit the reset button at the end of every episode. And that's what what Voyager did. And Voyager was criticized a lot for the degree to which it used the reset button. Thinking about episodes like The Year of Hell, that was the reset button to end all reset buttons. Um, But this is one of the things that that arc-based television does, and that I think more modern television storytelling does is it allows the characters and the, the story and the setting to fundamentally change episode to episode. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. somebody like John Locke, we used to think of as a good guy, goes really dark and is a bad guy for a long time, and now we don't know what the heck he is. Is, is he a good guy? Are we supposed to be rooting for him? I don't know. He's he's complex. Um, yeah. You know, Battlestar, the game changes, and, and episode to episode, it, it can change, and things will not necessarily mm-hmm. ever be the same again for those characters. And that's what I want to see on Universe. Exactly. Two episodes from now, things may never be the same again.
1: Yeah, especially like with a with title like Stargate Universe, you know? That denotes all sorts of possibilities. It's a universe of possibilities, not just United States syndication based in the the rest of the universe, you know. I really look at the title Stargate universe and think of endless possibilities, not just for characters and creatures and critters that cost really expensive dollars in CGI, but potential storytelling's possibilities in terms of how the stories are told. It's a
0: universe of possibilities. Let's take it. Let's take that journey. All of us who watch Lost thought, okay, well, the, the most logical end of the series is they get off the island. And what are the circumstances for how they get off the island? Yeah. And that's sort of the big conclusion.
1: That's what I was doing going into season four with you, watching it with you. And then it was like,
0: yeah, frickin' A. This revelation at the end of season three of Lost that some people got off the island and that's not the end of the story is major. Um, so you do things in... in storytelling where your characters change and you know uh, Lee Adama is not a part of the military anymore that's kind of a major shift and it's not a story that is a single story that you tell the story of when Lee went off and, and did something else and then he came back and, and so that we could, we could yeah. tell the next episode from that starting point that zero point again Yeah, it's that he's now something different and so we have to come up with new stories to tell for him in that different situation and it's constantly yeah. rolling and it's constantly evolving. It's gotta be tough as a writer.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah.
0: I'm not suggesting that this is easy,
1: but is it necessary at this point? We kinda have seen that sort of thing. Episodic T V is really same old, same old. You know, we we've we've done it. We've all done it. And we shouldn't be expected to sit through it again for for another series, you know? I mean, that's, that's my view. I am interested in shows that are out there right now like Fringe and, and Sarah Connor Chronicles, you know, which are really pushing the envelope in terms of the kind of stories that they
0: tell. Yeah, so when I think about risk-taking, I think that that's, ultimately for me it comes down to let's ditch the reset button. Let's allow the characters to fundamentally change. And not be afraid of that, of making your character dark. Yeah. You know, because,
1: ooh, how could this benefit the story? Not just be, oh, we can't do that because he's our hero.
0: Now, there's one character that you and I have have talked about being relegated to sort of the uh, supporting cast of Atlantis that we'd like to see a little bit more of in a future Stargate series, and that's the Stargate herself. You know, we're talking about risk-taking and going out there and pushing the envelope
1: and being different, but, you know, we really have to come back to that Stargate.
0: Yeah, but not just because it's in the title, I think, but because that Stargate and that method of, of travel and that method of storytelling is really fundamental to what this series is about. When you have starships and and you have uh wormhole
1: hyperspace travel, what have you? You know, it's it's easy to say, well, you know, the stargate is going to do us a disservice if we use her in this episode. So let's go and use something else. Um uh, the show's about the stargate
0: um because it's called Stargate. <laughs> yeah, you keep going back to that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. You know, Looking back on on what I think were the strongest years of SG-1, there's just something about a team going through on foot, traveling on foot with their vests and their backpacks and their P90s to another planet and encountering another civilization which may be friendly or may be hostile, being cut off, cut off from our resources, from our from our backup, from our ship that's in orbit, from being able to be beamed away. But literally, I think the the act of walking through the gate is just so tangible, so earthy, so lived in, that that's what made SG-1 feel real. That's, that's what made it feel like it was us going out there.
1: But also, you know, there was an innocence at that point because the Stargate really was an unknown quantity. When Tanit's Alkesh crashed into the DHD and Teal'c was in mid-transit, and he didn't come out the other end. We really didn't know what happened. And I, I loved that episode because it really showed us that the Stargate is a technology that we don't really understand. And now that we've gotten to the point where the Stargate really is a technology that we understand mm-hmm. and where the last, like, what did the Stargate do now and, and how do we deal with the gate episode was with 38 minutes, which is easily in my top five of Atlantis episodes. After that, we mm-hmm. really didn't get it anymore and nor did we on SG-1 because the Stargate was kind of explained and explored. And Martin Garrow saying that the gate dials in a different way for a universe, I am really hoping that that means an opportunity to tell different kinds of Stargate stories, where the Stargate jams or something, and the Sergeant Siler type is maybe stuck in one of the frames of the gate or something, and we have to get him out before the wormhole kills him, or whatever, you know? Things like that I'm really looking forward to. And I'm hoping that that's what it is other than just, well, we wanted to do a different kind of visual effect.
0: You know, episodes like uh, A Matter of Time in sg second second season were, you know, that's, that wasn't even necessarily anything to do with the, the mechanics of the Stargate. But it was just starts with the simple question of what happens if you connect your Stargate, which is uh, a wormhole, through space-time? What if you connect it to a stargate that is in close proximity to a black hole? How would that translate back through the wormhole to Earth?
1: Or, you know, like I raised the question a few podcasts ago, you know, when the Stargate Kawush opens and you walk up to the gate, what happens if you go around to the back
0: side of the gate and go through? Where do you go? What if you could dial up a stargate and then drop it into a star? Would the matter from the star go through the wormhole? before the gate was destroyed, and they they did that in Exodus in Season 4. Those are great little ideas that generate some of my favorite episodes, frankly.
1: Fun storytelling.
0: So there's a big question, because the new Stargate series will be set on board a ship. It will be set on board the ancient vessel called the Destiny, which was created apparently millions of years even before Atlantis. So it's much, much Mm -hmm. older than Atlantis. It was set out... Unmanned on a on a pre-programmed course, traveling between multiple galaxies, and there's kind of a question right now: How long are we going to spend in each galaxy? Maybe maybe we'll be in one galaxy for about a season, and then we'll move on to another. galaxy. Or an episode. Or an episode. You know, who knows what what causes the ship to to move from one galaxy to the next? Uh, but it's following up on another ship that that planted stargates eons ago. Yes. So uh, there are stargates on these different worlds. Uh, and these different parts of space that we're traveling through. And the producers have said, yes, we are going to use that Stargate that is on board the Destiny. We will be using the gate and not, you know, pedal jumpers. little spacecraft most of the time to travel to those planets that we visit well
1: will the stargate be sort of used as like our way of beaming down to those planets then i don't know if the destiny is
0: in orbit or in the same galaxy the stargate has always been about crossing vast distances of your galaxy not from the planet surface up to orbit Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. i don't know i hope that there's more to it than than just having it be a, a stationary transporter and the Stargate itself, I mean, I'm almost positive about
1: this, The Destiny will probably have that use of the wormhole drive that was intentionally introduced in the
0: last episode of Atlantis. Oh, you think that that's what they're doing with that? Oh, yeah.
1: Joe said, you know, we're, we had, or, or Paul said, or one of them, they had to introduce that for mm. that episode. That wasn't just a last-minute thing. They had to do that for the new series, because that's going to be a part of the new series. Mm, I don't remember that. So something tells me wormhole drive is
0: going to be how the destiny gets from point A to point B. Maybe not, but I think so. I hope not. I hope if they do, that they give it severe limitations. Like, yeah. you know, it's something that has to spool up, and it takes a couple of days to get a jump ready, and it can only go so yeah. far. You know, you've got to have some explanation for the ship crossing the vast distances between planets. Uh, and when you're mm-hmm. going galaxy to galaxy, then I don't know, maybe maybe hyperdrive is not enough.
1: Yeah, well, you know, she she's going to have to... Be like uh, a frog chambering before she leaps. So yeah. th- there's going to be something cool
0: there. Yep. So let's hope we see the Stargate. Let's hope that we actually get stories that are based on that Stargate. Now, the comparison has been made again and again and again to Battlestar Galactica, which is going off the air this year. Sci fi seems to really be hoping that Universe might replace it as. Yeah, the Mark Stern said of, that. Yeah, as, as Sci fi's flagship space opera. What do you think about this? Is it uh, The producers have said that it'll be darker and more character-based, but nowhere close to Battlestar uh, in terms mm-hmm. of, of just how dark and depressing it's been, especially this. Yes. These last few have just been depressing the hell out of me. Yeah, but, I uh, know. So if Stargate Universe is a character drama, and if it's darker, then what does that mean, and what do we hope to see out of that? Well, there are elements of Battlestar
1: Galactica that I love, That doesn't necessarily mean that I would want to see them in a Stargate show, but I think that they're going with the right idea. I was kind of surprised and taken aback when Mark Stern, Vice President of Sci-Fi, said, We want Universe to replace Battlestar Galactica in terms of like the stories that it tells and everything like that, I'm just thinking to myself, oh, man, I can see Brad and Rob rolling their eyes over that one. Stick the knife in your back and twist it Well, I hope
0: what he meant was that it's it's replacing it as the flagship of the network. Frankly, I'm tired of little upstart Battlestar Galactica being the network darling, after Stargate made Sci-Fi Channel Stargate, a top-ten network. has been around
1: for ages. And it's been, like, I think Brad put it this way, the, the candle that maybe is not extremely bright... But it's always burning, man. And it's always been that constant. It's always been there. And I don't think sci-fi gives it nearly enough props. Galactica, critically acclaimed. Everyone loves it. Hell, I know I do. But, you know, it's just
0: poo-poo on Stargate, left and right. And boo-hoo, boo-hiss on that. I think a lot of it does go down to what can you get out of media attention. Can you get... Mm -hmm you know, the Hollywood reporter and TV guide to report on Stargate. And it's always been very, very difficult. It's been like pulling teeth because television critics just don't seem to take Stargate that seriously. And that's what I hope Stargate universe changes by being darker in tone and being a character drama. Uh, Mm -hmm. I hope that it changes that attitude and that it surprises those television critics Mm -hmm. and makes them sit up and take notice.
1: And so we'll be able to say, hey, we saw that one coming. Ha ha ha. Yeah, you can join our club. But, you know,
0: a character drama. It's kind of weird to think about a Stargate show that is described as a character drama. And obviously Stargate has done some great character stuff over the years. Again, let's bring up the favorite episodes. Uh, Abyss Uh is a great character drama. The Shrine this year was a great character drama. And when Stargate chooses to do them, I think it, it does them really, really well. So, an entire series? Well, I think you can have episodes that
1: really mix the character drama and the action well. You always point out The Fifth Race. But I look at episodes like Singularity, which really explore Carter's character, you know? You mm. see her kicking her boot into that elevator around when she's, when she's leaving Cassandra to die. You know, you see that character. You see what she's made of when she's left to do that, you know? Mm. And I just love that.
0: As she went in Atlantis have always been largely i think plot driven and that's not mm-hmm. to say that a character drama doesn't have a plot but it's it centers much more around telling stories about the characters and who they are right. as opposed to the situations that they get into and i think that's a distinction that a casual viewer of tv it's it's kind of difficult to get your get your head around what do people talk about when they're talking about a plot driven show or episode versus character driven i think that's it it's it's do you have people like our team who get into circumstances that are external to them they go to a planet and we don't necessarily learn a whole lot about them as they go through getting Mm -hmm. out of this problem a character drama Mm -hmm. is about the the people and Mm -hmm. their issues and their relationships with one another Mm -hmm. and and universe i i think and i hope is going to be the latter much more so Uh, there's adventure they're going out They're they're exploring planets they're getting into trouble but there's a lot of, of stuff that I think we're going to see that's based on the ship. Uh, it's not going to be Planet of the Week, necessarily, but it's going to be life on the ship and getting used to you know, being away from home and unable to contact Earth.
1: Working with what you've been given?
0: Different characters have different agendas. You know, The studio has hinted that Dr. Rush has his own agenda in being there that is sort of secret from everybody else. So.
1: Danger, Will Robinson, Dr. Smith.
0: Exactly.
1: What about bad guys? We haven't heard a peep about bad guys for this show.
0: We haven't. And the fact that the Destiny is traveling through multiple galaxies tells you that if there is going to be a, a main bad guy, they're either going to have to be super technologically advanced and in, in span yeah, multiple galaxies technology. themselves, or what has been hinted out there is that maybe there won't necessarily be a Gould or a Wraith that is a single main bad guy. And I like that idea. Yeah, I was going to say, am I the only one who's relieved about that? <laughs> no, no. I mean, we talked about uh, when, we, when we did our deconstruction of Atlantis podcast I think was when we talked about the Wraith uh, versus the Replicators versus the Janai, all these bad guys that Atlantis had, and I think that the Wraith would have been a much stronger bad guy if they had not been the primary antagonist for the series. So that's kind of weird, looking at, at a, a new show and thinking, how cool would that be if it didn't have a main bad guy? It's kind of a weird thing to say. Yeah. Well, what, what I mean is I, with... I hope it has lots of cool bad guys.
1: Exactly, and that uh, a bad guy by virtue of how interesting they are after they've been written in for a couple or three episodes will stand out. Not yeah. because, you know, well, we fabricated the entire history and, and m- mythology and a fabric of the show around this race. And
0: well, if yeah. it really worked, we're kind of stuck. But you know, the, the fact that the ship is, is going between galaxies and we don't have any control over its course I really wonder, and this is one of the things that I'm nervous about seeing how it works itself out on the show is recurring, recurring characters, recurring species I mean, that's one of the mm-hmm. things that I've always loved about Stargate is, you know, it's it's been five episodes and the Tok'ra are back we get to see the Tok'ra again and, oh, maybe they'll say something about Jacob um, mm-hmm. and I don't know I don't know if universe is necessarily going to be able to do that as much
1: I think it's going to be more of a take it or leave it. You know, we're we're going in uncharted territory here. And, I mean, there are elements that we're talking about from the previous shows that we don't want to deal with. Again, yet there are elements that we do. And I think we're just going to have to say, well, the whole thing is going to be new. And let's just see how it plays out. Let's just give them the benefit of the doubt and watch the pilot. Give it a shot, you know. Why cut your nose off to spite your own face? Atlantis was canceled. I'm not going to watch the new series, you know.
0: I hope that everybody who's listening to this podcast by this point is at least open to giving Universe a shot and watching the pilot because it's going to be a different show. So let's all find out how different it's going to be and if it's going to be good. You're just going to be retracting
1: your own statement later on. Many people are, I know it, because they don't have faith. Now I think it's wrong to have too much faith, but you don't have a little faith, is not, not bad.
0: Another thing that I wanted to add is that I think that by nature of the fact that that they are out there on the ship that they don't have any control of in a different galaxy, it's difficult and sometimes impossible to communicate even with Earth. Uh, Mm -hmm. I think that there's going to be a disconnection between universe and the worlds that we are familiar with in the Milky Way galaxy, and the Pegasus galaxy, and I think that's a good thing.
1: Well, uh, to backtrack for a second, one of the things that we were complaining about about Atlantis was that it was too disconnected from Earth. It didn't feel enough like Earth because we weren't on Earth. And if mm-hmm. that was an issue for us with Atlantis, imagine how it's going to be with the universe.
0: Yeah, it's, it's a tightrope to walk, and and I think that if it's not done right, it, they could get themselves into a lot of, a lot of trouble story-wise, um, not mm-hmm. being able to go back and fall back on those staples of there's an asteroid headed for Earth, how do we stop it? But, you know, if if the show is what I think and hope it's going to be, if it's going to be a a character show that's set on board the Destiny, then mainly the show is about those people and their interactions with each other. Mm -hmm. Uh, So -hmm. you don't necessarily need the same sort of connection with Earth that that I was complaining about with Atlantis. Uh, Because Atlantis, I know that a lot of people don't agree, but Atlantis for me was never about those characters. It was external, Mm -hmm. it was plot-driven, it was those characters service the story around them. If Universe is much more about the characters, then, I mean, you know, Battlestar, we don't care where the Galactica is, where the fleet is, except for key episodes where they need to, you know, visit the algae planet or, or Earth or this or that. It doesn't really matter where the ship is, it doesn't matter what's going on outside the ship, because the entire episode takes place among the characters inside the corridors of the vessel. It's the journey itself, it's not the destination. Yeah, you could say it that way, too. That's more pithy.
1: Yeah, One of the things that I continually think about, one of the advantages of Stargate, uh, as opposed to a lot of other science fiction, is it's in the here and the now. And I've, I've known people who have watched Atlantis for a number of episodes, and they, and they had to ask me, what time period is this set in? Hmm. I say it's in the here and now like The here and now? Really? Present? Wow, that's cool, I didn't even realize that Well, and you're set on an alien spaceship Now this show is going to be set on another Well, alien spaceship, but an ancestral spaceship Alien nonetheless Now this ship is going to be set on another spaceship Um, It's going to be really hard to make that connection I mean, if they're going to be seeing them Putting in DVDs and working with laptops And things like that People are going to kind of go Eh? What? When, when is this? <laughs> well, yeah. Well, I
0: hope we limit the technology. And that was, again, it's, it's, you got to take the good with the bad. When we went to Atlantis, we were hoping to find a huge cache of ancient technology that would, mm-hmm. you know, would be wonderful and, and we get our own spaceships to fly around and it's so great. It was great and it was fun and it was different to see the ship, uh, you know, to see the team taking the puddle jumper through the gate. Um, but I think we lost that connection with present-day military and present-day Earth because we were always using, you know, we had Wraith Stunners and we had uh, life science detectors. So when we're out yeah. there exploring planets, we have technology that is above and beyond Earth. And I hope that the universe kind of uh, drops some of that and that it goes back to, other than the ship itself, it goes back to much more, well, this is what we have. This is our level of technology. We're kind of stuck with it. Well, it's uh, getting on toward late February, and there's pretty good uh, indication at this point that the Universe is going to premiere in early October. So we're a little more than seven months away. Long ways to Can go. Can we still. make it? It
1: is a long way to go.
0: But I'm excited about it. I got to say. I am too. The more
1: I hear, and this is from a very skeptical Stargate fan. Yeah. Um, always skeptical.
0: Seriously, the more that I hear, the more I'm. I'm falling in love with it. There are some shows that I watch that I just want more of the same forever and ever and ever. You know, if Lost because Lost does game changers every season, I just want more and more and more of what they're giving us. And when the show ends, I'm gonna want Damon and Carlton to please do it again. Please make another. Yeah. Um But after after ten, twelve years of Stargate, um it's starting to feel a little repetitious. I mean, I enjoy the shows still, and I tune in every week religiously, but I'm ready for something different. I'm ready for a different approach to storytelling Mm -hmm. within my favorite universe. Yep, me too. You are listening to the GateWorld Podcast.
1: Well, we asked ourselves the question, what do we think universe needs to be to mix things up and be different, be new? And we ask the same thing of you listeners. So in the listener bag, we have a few pieces of mail that relate to
0: that very question. Quade One writes, I think Universe should go back to the realism that SG-1 represented so well. During Atlantis's run, there was only one episode in which the characters were in true peril, and that was Trio. The rest of the show, they never expressed their fears and seemed to know that they would be okay in the end. Even when Shepard's arm was cut off, I wondered what deus ex machina will they come up with now. In Universe... I want to see the realization of we are stuck on a ship with no way home.
1: Sam Carter Rules says, As
0: long as there are good
1: characters that viewers can relate to, care about, or go on a journey with, we need to feel for these characters and go through the worst and the best of times with them. This was missing from SGA, and make the new team a true team and show those friendships that would naturally develop. I always felt the characters in SGA didn't really bond properly for the most part, and if the characters can't bond with each other,
0: then we, the viewers, will find it hard as well. I think it's a great point, and I'm looking forward not only to bonding between the team, but also to hostility on the team. Icy Ancients says, I think to propel the Stargate franchise forward is to go darker, Until now, all the regulars have been save-the-day type, except for maybe Ford, and that didn't last very long. I think we need more of that, more of the badass type. That way you have a whole different view on the characters, and you can get a whole lot of other stories told. I hope we see more of those darker characters and darker stories. Yeah, when Ford went dark side, I was like, ooh, that's interesting. And then he came back twice. Well, yeah, it's because he went dark side in order to write him off the show. Yeah. Those are the sorts of things where I think you you ought to be able to make a major shift in the nature of a character and then live with it and keep him a regular.
1: And we have a few items in the voicemail bag.
2: This is James in Henderson, Nevada. One of the major things I think Universe needs to avoid doing is making the same mistakes that Atlantis made, at least in my opinion, which was changing major cast members every season. They just made too many changes to too many well-known and well-liked cast members. And I thought that, for me, it detracted from the show. So avoid doing that, but most importantly, what they need to not do is not take away the humor. Uh, I don't want this to be another really dark brooding show like a Battlestar Galactica. I would love it to have the same, gotta tune in week after week type atmosphere where it's just, you know, a continuous storyline and, oh, what's going to happen next? That feel would be fantastic, but I don't want to see it go down this dark and brooding path because that just wouldn't be Stargate to me. Stargate's always been a hopeful feeling, an optimistic feeling show, and I'd like it to retain that. My name is Aaron Gearing, and I live in Washington State. I have three questions for you. Question number one, which side of the Golden Gate Bridge is Atlantis on? Is it technically in the bay or is it in the Pacific Ocean? Question number two, do you think they will bring Aiden Ford back, whether it be in a movie or in the universe or somewhere else down the line? Question number three, if Ronan Dex was infected by the race enzyme and Teal'c was repossessed by Goa'uld, who do you think would win in a fight?
0: Thanks to everybody for writing in and to James and Aaron for calling in this week. Uh, Aaron's got three questions for us, David. First, The first one we've talked about in uh, our previous podcast, where in the San Francisco Bay is Atlantis now located? Is it on the bay, the bay side or the ocean side?
1: Oceanside. It's the only way they could fit it. Mark Savella and I had an interview where we discussed that scene uh, in detail, and that will be coming out soon.
0: Yeah, and the fact that uh, when you look through and see the Golden Gate Bridge, you can see the coast of the mainland on the other side of it. So yeah, we're on the ocean side. Uh, The second question, do you think that Aiden Ford's going to come back in any future incarnation of Stargate? Mm Mm-mm. No, I doubt it. I was surprised at that little two-second cameo in Search and Rescue, the Season 5 premiere, because I didn't think we were even going to get that much. I thought they were just done with him.
1: Yeah, that's why I was surprised about that,
0: too. I'll was i take anything I can get. (laughs) And Aaron's third question is if uh, Ronan was hopped up on the Wraith Enzyme, like Ford was, uh, and if you have a Goulded Teal'c, which one of them is going to win? I think they'd both kill each other. Call it a draw. Mutual Assured Destruction. This week's listener question for next week's podcast, we'll be talking about the first season of Stargate SG-1 as we go back and continue our Stargate history. Uh, Here's the question. What is your favorite episode from the first season of Stargate SG-1, and why do you like it so much? That'll be our March 3rd episode of the Gate World Podcast. Then on March 10th, we'll turn to the question of spaceships versus Stargates as storytelling devices, which we touched on a bit tonight. And then on March 17th, this is a really interesting topic that I'm excited to talk about. Philosophical question. The GateWorld podcast goes philosophical. The topic is, are replicators alive? I'm really looking forward to this one, man. This should be interesting. That'll be fun. And we will be sure to mention Fran Lots. Lots and lots. As we do just about every episode, I guess.
1: Now, replicators in this context, I was talking about uh, humanoid replicators, like Reese and her offspring, one through six. And uh, the Asurans. Mm-hmm. are they alive? Or are they just really good at architecture by nature?
0: And I'm sure everybody out there is going to have a nice little opinion on this. So we'll wait a couple weeks and then we'll ask a listener question to get, uh, get other people's thoughts on that for that discussion. Start your wheels turning on that one. And when the time comes, throw us the answer. Well, that's our show for this week. Thanks once again for tuning in. In this episode, David and I talked about the ideal universe, what we hope that Stargate Universe is going to be and to do for the future of the franchise. We also gave you a recap of the latest Stargate news, and for links to everything that we talked about today, just point your browser to gateworld.net and look for the episode number 31 show notes.
1: We appreciate your feedback, positive and negative. Give us a call on the hotline at 616-712-1647, voicemail day or night. You can also click in on the podcast feedback thread at Forum, forum forum.gateworld.net, or you can post a review on iTunes and
0: other podcast catchers. This was fun. I had a good time this week. See, I told you. Good times. There'll be lots, lots of time. To talk about Stargate
1: Universe. Oh yeah, we have plenty of time to pick the whole thing apart before we even see it. The good little fans that we are they are working on building a great show, and it is our
0: province
1: to take it apart. No? That is our right as fans, and I'm looking forward to doing that.
0: Yeah. It will be a fun journey. Yes
1: it will. Take it with me, Darren. Take it with me. Well this is still Darren. And this is still David. But next week, you never know. We might switch places next week. Hey, that'll be cool. Just don't wear my underwear.
0: Oh, gosh. (laughs) What? I I have have no reply. I'm going to go curl up in a fetal position and cry myself (laughs) to sleep after that picture. (laughs) And then we'll see you back here next week for the GateWorld Podcast.
1: All I said was don't wear my underwear. Don't wear the underwear with me still wearing it. (sighs)
0: Not helping, it's not making it better at all.